Well, you can open up to our our passage this morning. Uh, It's John 17. John 17. If you have the black Bibles there at your feet, it should be page 903. We're in our series that we're calling Knowing Christ, and looking at different aspects of the person and life and ministry of, of Jesus to know him better. And, and for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the, the praying of Jesus. Jesus in his earthly ministry praying. And, and, and as opposed to looking a bunch of different places, which we could, we're going to focus on one prayer of Jesus. It's, it's the longest prayer we have recorded of Jesus in Scripture. It's John 17, and we'll take the next two weeks to look at it. Uh, this morning, we're going to read verses 1 through 16. 1 through 16. So let's go ahead and read together God's Word. John 17, beginning at verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father... The hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, that they have kept your word. Uh, Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Well, let's, let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would work through your word as, it, as it's been read and as it's proclaimed, that we indeed might know the Savior better, and knowing him have the life uh, that's in him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> There's this famous quote on the subject of prayer 
Uh, it's by the 19th century Scottish Presbyterian Robert Murray McShane. And, and here's, what, here's what McShane says. Uh, he says, What a man is, alone on his knees before God, that he is, and no more. You get that? What a man is, alone on his knees before God, uh, that, that he is, and no more. That, that's pretty convicting when you think about yourself and, and you praying before God. But, but this morning we're looking at John 17, and we're looking essentially at Jesus on his knees before the Father. And what we get there is a picture of who Jesus really is. As he pours out his heart before, before the Father, we get to know him in a really, really significant way. We get to see his, his heart. We get to see his glory. We get to see his work. We get to see Jesus as, as we take in what it is that he prays for. And, and here we're looking at this, as we mentioned, the longest prayer of Jesus that we have recorded in Scripture. There's a number of times where it mentions that Jesus prays, or even gives a little bit of his prayer, but usually that's just a, a sentence or two. Here we have an entire chapter uh, that's set apart, set aside, to give us uh, the detailed prayer of Jesus. And it's at a very significant time in his ministry. Uh, you, you might know the context here in John 17. He, this is the night he was betrayed. This is Jesus just, just hours before he goes to the cross, and he knows it. Uh, he's just finished his, his basically his, his farewell speech to the disciples. Uh, they're right there before him, and no doubt listening to him pray. Uh, and here's what he goes before the Father to pray for. So as we, as we, you know, we, we dive into the details, realize you're, you're getting to know Jesus who he truly, truly is uh, in a really significant way as we study what, what he prays for. And we'll find out it's all very good news for us. Uh, even as he's praying for himself, it's very good news for us. Uh, but it's, and then also how he prays for, for us. Uh, we'll, we'll look at, again, just the first half of his prayer uh, today and then pick up uh, next week. But the first, first thing we want to notice in the first few verses is how Jesus begins by praying for glory. For glory to shine forth. He's praying for glorification. Uh, the first five verses, you find the language of glory and glorify again and again and again. To, to glorify God. It's to, it's to shine forth the greatness of God. Now, not that God needs to be made more glorious but to shine forth his glory. And that's what Jesus is praying for. Actually, he's praying for two intertwined glories. He's praying for the Father to glorify him, uh, and for him to glorify the Father. And they're very much intertwined, but for the sake of uh, discussion, we'll take, them, we'll take them one at a time. So first, for the Father to glorify the Son. Verse 1 again. Uh, Jesus lifts up his eyes to heaven. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Father, the, the hour has come. That's a, that's a pretty significant statement, especially in John's gospel. 
uh, because there's there's a number of occasions throughout the Gospel of John where people try to force Jesus into something, um, force him to do a miracle, uh, force him to uh, to become king, to make him king, or, uh, or or even to arrest him before this point, and none of it happens. Uh, and the explanation that John gives us is his hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. But here's Jesus uh, stating, Father, the hour has come. This is it. This is the the climactic moment. Uh, The moment when he will be glorified. It's the moment he goes to the cross. Jesus glorified. He goes to the cross. If you think about those two things together, it, it does seem a little bit strange. Uh, an interesting language to use because, because the cross looks anything but glorious, doesn't it? From one aspect. Uh, it, it's this cruel, unjust execution of the holy and righteous Son of God. Uh, it's, it's Jesus being, being condemned? Right? This, this does not look glorious at all. It, it actually kind of looks like a curse, doesn't it? And yet, Jesus refers to it as the hour of his glory. The hour in which the Father glorifies uh, the Son. Well, the, the rest of Scripture puts these things together, explains it for us. Uh, it's because it's, a, it's Jesus' hour of glory because it is at that time and through that very cross that Jesus is saving his people. Uh, and of course it looks like a curse. Because he is bearing the curse for us. Right? We're the one who are ones who are condemned. Now we're the ones who've broken God's law. God calls uh, his, his creatures made in his image to love him with all their heart, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, but yet we break that law uh, again and again and again and, and are under his, his curse, uh, the curse of the law because of it. But here at the cross, Jesus bears that curse. Uh, he, he goes to take judgment for us. So yes, it's, it's ugly. Jesus is pierced, but for our transgressions. He's crushed, but, but for our iniquities. Uh, so the very ugliness is very much the glory of it, because he is bearing the curse for us so that we might be freed and rescued from it. Uh, he is glorified as the great rescuer, as the great savior. So Jesus asks the Father to glorify him at this, at this climactic hour, uh, even as he, as he goes to the cross to save his people. So that's one aspect of the Father glorifying the Son. But then Jesus also refers to what happens beyond the cross. And you get that in verse 5. Uh, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus is asking the Father to return him to the glory that he had before he came to earth in the incarnation. Uh, It's it's this statement of what we know from elsewhere in Scripture, that before anything was made that was made, there is the one true God eternally. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, uh, equal, fully glorified. And here Jesus refers to that glory that he had before the world existed. Um, but now he's uh, here on earth, 
His glory is, well, it's veiled. It's not shining forth in quite the same way. And Jesus prays for what will happen on the other side of the cross, which is Jesus returned to that eternal glory. Right? The cross isn't the final word for Jesus. Third day, he's raised. Uh, he's exalted into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the, of the Father. He's returned to the glory that he had uh, with the Son from all eternity. So Jesus prays that the Father would glorify him. And at the very same time, that he would glorify the Father. Right. So back to verse 1. The hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Uh, so there, uh, there, as Jesus is glorified uh, at the cross, so at the very same time, uh, the Father is glorified. Uh, and, and Jesus actually explains how that, that, that glorifying of the Father has already started in his ministry. Uh, so he says that in verse 4. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This is, how, this is how Jesus glorifies the Father. He does the work the Father gives him to do. And that takes place throughout his ministry, right? All, all 17 chapters of the Gospel of John up until this point. Uh, and it's only going to uh, reach its pinnacle, uh, the, Jesus doing the work the Father gave him to do. It's only going to reach its, reach its pinnacle there at the cross. As he goes to that, that climactic doing of the Father's will, uh, by going to the cross, dying and rising uh, to save his people, or to use the language of verse 2, to give eternal life to all who you have given him. Right? So this is, this is the work of Jesus, to glorify the Father. So you see these, these intertwining glories. This is really the heart of, of Jesus in his prayer, praying the Father would glorify him and that he would glorify the Father. His, his whole heart, his whole purpose in coming to earth, his mission, uh, is all wrapped up in the glory of God. Right? It all focuses on God's glory. Uh, and, and it's actually, the, the fact that it's all about God and his glory turns out to be very good news for us. Okay? It's all about God and his glory, and that's good news for us. Which, if you think about it, is, is somewhat counterintuitive to sinners like us. Because we tend to think that what's really good for us is if it would be all about me and my glory. Right? That's what, what we tend to think works the best for us. Right? If it's all about me and my glory, that, that, that sounds good. Uh, not about someone else's glory. Let's have it about, about me and my glory. Uh, right, that's the that's the kind of the, the shiny uh, object uh, that we're drawn towards. But it turns out that's actually that's actually death and destruction. It has the opposite effect for us. Uh, if we try to make it all about me and my glory, that actually poisons and destroys everything. I mean, think about it. When you try to make it all about you and your glory, uh, it it enslaves your actions. It poisons your relationships. And it ruins your relationship with God. Right? It, it enslaves your actions because now you're all about trying to be all about you and glorifying yourself. So you're constantly trying to trying to look good. And then if you look good, trying to stay up on that pedestal. Uh, you're striving and striving, but it's always tenuous. 
So your whole actions are enslaved. It, it poisons your relationships uh, because now the people around you, uh, they, have to, they have to serve you and your, and your goodness and make you look good. They're objects, not for you to love, uh, but for somehow to, to give you what you want. And you get really mad if they don't. Uh, and of course, that so your relationships end up poisoned. Most importantly, uh, most sadly, is it destroys our relationship with God. Because if, it's, uh, if you're all about your glory, you're actually not knowing and enjoying God and trusting God. You're spending all your time and energy trying to be God. Uh, having it all about you and your glory, well, it's, it's the very death uh, and darkness that we need to be saved from. And along comes Jesus, and he gives us exactly what, uh, exactly the rescue that, that we need. Uh, and he does it in the midst of this context of saying, it, it's the glory of God. He's working uh, to glorify God. So the Son is glorified in the Father, and the Father is glorified by the Son. Being all about God and his glory is actually the best thing for us. It's the very thing uh, that saves us. Far from being forgotten in it, we're actually wrapped up in it. Uh, and you start to see that as, as then his prayer for glory then uh, transitions into a prayer for us, his people, and we're, we're beginning to be wrapped up in that, in that rescue, wrapped up in that, that saving, loving glory. And so we'll go to the second part of our text, uh, praying for protection. <clears throat> we'll look at verses 6 through 16. Now in this section, uh, Jesus most narrowly is, is praying for the disciples that are right in front of him. Uh, right, the disciples that are right there on earth, right in front of them. You hear him talk in verse 11, for example, about uh, Jesus. He, he's leaving the world, but they're staying. Uh, or he talks in verse 12 about, about Judas, right, the one who's not been kept uh, because he's destined for to be the son of destruction. And, uh, so, so clearly, in, in the very, very narrow sense, he's referring to, in his prayer here, the, the disciples that are right there alive in front of him. But that doesn't mean that it has nothing to do with you. Uh, in fact, it seems to have everything to do with us as believers. Because Jesus intentionally seems to use language that the rest of Scripture uses to describe every believer. Everywhere. Uh, so he, he, speaks of, uh, he speaks of those he's praying for, verse 8, uh, as those who believe. Specifically, believe that the Father sent the Son which is what every believer is. Romans 10 says that's the heart of, uh, of a saving confession, believing that the Father sent the Son. Right? That's, that's all of us. Uh, or he refers to those he's praying for uh, as those the Father has given to the Son and those the Son holds on to. That's, that's every believer, John 10. Uh, and so, and so the, using this very language, yes, he's praying for the disciples in front of him, uh, but, but through them... Uh, he's, he, he's bringing in all of us. So we can rightly say, this is what he's praying for all of us right now, uh, not just 11 guys from Galilee. Uh, this is what he's praying for all of us. And what does he pray for? Well, we'll give, get more uh, next week, but the thing we really focus in on here is his prayer for protection. Protection. Verse 11. Holy Father, keep them 
in your name. Verse 15, keep them from the evil one. Keep them. Guard them. Protect them. Uh, this, this is how Jesus prays for his disciples. This is how he prays for us. Uh, if you know Christ, this is Jesus. His heart for you, his, his prayer for you uh, is keep them, guard them, protect them. And then what he does in the rest of the section is, is, is essentially elaborate on why this is so important. Now he gives reasons for his prayer. Why is it so important that, uh, that Jesus pray for our protection? Why, why should the Father care uh, to protect us? Why does Jesus care so much? Well, essentially that's what he answers. Uh, we'll, we'll give two highlights uh, they're not listed there in your bulletin, but, but here's, here's what we could say for the, the two highlights of, uh, of why he's praying for this. Uh, it's because first, uh, Jesus wants you protected because you belong to God. He wants you protected because you belong to God. And secondly, he wants you protected because you live on enemy territory. So first of all, he wants you protected because you belong to God. It's a theme in how he talks in this prayer. So verse 6, for example. I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Verse 9. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So what was true of the original disciples is true of all believers. Uh, that, that there are those the Father has set his love upon, there is, and he entrusts to the Son uh, to save them, uh, to, to die for them, to, to protect them and guard them to the very end. Right? Uh, there are those who belong to the Father and to the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit. There are those who belong to God. So that's some rich theology right there. Uh, but here, think of the, the practical import of that as we take in Jesus' prayer uh, for us, his prayer for uh, protection. He's saying, keep them, guard them, protect them, for they're yours and they're mine. Keep them, guard them, protect them. And here's why, Father, because they're yours and they're mine. Have you, can you think about this on a human level? Have you, have you ever acted to try to help someone, protect someone, uh, because they were special to you? Um, maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it was as a parent uh, or, or an older sibling, right? There, there's, there's your child or, or, your, or your younger sister or whatever uh, on the playground and they're being picked on and, and, and you just jump right in. Because, whoa, 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 this, this is my kid. This is, this is my sister. Um, or maybe, maybe you've served as a kind of advocate for, uh, for someone you cared about. Maybe, maybe it was an older parent uh, in, in later years, or, or maybe your spouse. Um, maybe, they're, maybe they're in the hospital, and you feel like they're, they're not getting the care that they need. Uh, and there you just jump in, right? You're pressing that nurse button, or, or you're on the phone to the doctor, and you're like, ho, 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 
help now. This needs to happen, right? Why? Well, because this is because this is my mom. Because because this is this is my spouse. Think of that instinct. Right? Help now. Protect now. Why? This is my kid. This is my son. This is my mom. Th- think of that, that instinct that you have. Um, where, where did that come from? Right? Where did you get that instinct from? From him? That you're made in his image? So that you just have, have this reflection sometimes it's just faint but 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 even even at its faintest it, it's a reflection of who he is and what his heart is that those who are his he protects because they're his and that's how that's how Jesus prays to the father and that's the prayer the father just delights to hear uh, coming from his son Guard them, protect them, keep them, for they're yours and they're mine, Jesus says. That's how Jesus prays for you. That's how Jesus prays for you. Um, and, And he brings in another reason for his prayer. Jesus wants you protected because you live on enemy territory. You live on enemy territory. Look at verse 11. I am no longer in the world. But they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Um, Jesus here, as he talks about the world, he's not thinking about physical planet Earth uh, as much as he's thinking about the world in in a deeply spiritual sense. Uh, This this fallen present age, uh, this age of, of deep darkness in rebellion against God, right? It's... It's, it's God's world, but twisted and in rebellion against him. So you think of how verse 14 describes the world. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Right? You, you get that, that very deeply spiritual sense. Of the world in, its, in this present evil, darkened age uh, that's in rebellion against God including all the spiritual powers of this age and those uh, aligned with it, that that which is hostile to God, that which was hostile to Christ when he was here on earth, uh, and now that which is hostile to those who follow Christ, the world. Uh, And Jesus, uh, Jesus prays for our protection because that's where we live. That's where we live. He's not here. But we are. Um, We're not of the world in the sense that spiritually we're citizens of heaven. Spiritually we're his, but yet we're here. And and being here, it means we're in a hostile location. We're we're on enemy territory. And it means that hostility is going to come, just like it did for Jesus. It comes in different forms, Scripture tells us. Sometimes it's more overt hostility, uh, whether it's overt persecution or, uh, or just opposition because uh, we belong to Christ, uh, because of the faith. So that's one form of hostility from the world. Uh, but, but the world can also bring another kind of, uh, of force upon us 
in, in the form of temptation, in the form of dangling the, uh, the, the, the pleasures of sin, the, the apparent pleasures of sin before our eyes, making it look really good uh, so that we're pulled towards it. And either way, it's in opposition to God. That's the, that's the pressure. Whether it's deny God overtly or deny him by running uh, after pleasures that are not of him, uh, either way, right, the devil's just happy with either, either path. Because um, either way, uh, God's people are, are attacked. And here's Jesus. He's leaving his disciples then and us now on this ground where this pressure is on us. But, but Jesus is praying for them. Jesus is praying for us. And, and, and you can think of the encouragement. There's this sobriety of, oh, wow, this, this really is, this is serious. This really is a spiritual battle. But yet the encouragement that Jesus knows, he, he understands it. He knows exactly the hardships we face. He knows it better than we do, the dangers that are out there. And he's praying for us. He's praying for us. Father, keep them in your name. Uh, Father, keep them from the evil one. And of course, it's just the prayer that the Father delights to hear and delights to answer. Is there a particular aspect of this fallen world that feels especially burdensome at this point for you? Is there something in this present darkness that just has your shoulders slumping a bit? Maybe it's some kind of hostility because of the faith. Maybe it's just a, a valley of suffering that hurts. Uh, maybe it's a, a temptation. Uh, it looks really good. Look, everyone else is doing it. You're not going crazy. We really do uh, exist in the middle of a battlefield. Uh, it really is ugly. We're on enemy territory. And your Savior knows it full well. He lived it, and now he knows it, and now he sympathizes, and now he prays. He prays for you, right at that place where you are. Father, keep them. Father, keep them from the evil one. Guard them. Protect them. Studying the prayer of Jesus, studying this long prayer of Jesus, because we get to know him better, really get to see what Jesus loves, what he's passionate about. He loves the glory of God. Uh, above all, the glory of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Uh, right? That's what he's praying to be magnified and, and shining forth, the, the glory of God in, in his death for his people and the Father's raising him up to, uh, to fullness of life, right? The glory of God. He's passionate about it. And it's good news for us. Because it's that very thing that we're saved, that, that bring, leads to our salvation, and then, and then we're caught up into. We also see that Jesus loves for his people to be guarded, kept. In the, he loves his people. They're those, the, 
belong to the Father, those who have been trusted to him, and now he's passionate about them being kept. You being kept and guarded. And so Jesus prays uh, for your protection to the end. So you look at Jesus' prayer, you know him better. And what that does in us is it, it, it causes us to love Jesus more. Right? The more we see him, the more we know him, the more, the more, we, the more we love him, the more we want to be like him, uh, the more we want to trust him and follow him. Uh, and, and that really is the, that, that's the, that's the agenda for the week ahead. Right? Know Jesus more, love him more, uh, seek, to, seek to be like him and follow him. Uh, but but that's, not a, that's not a cold agenda. Uh, that's, a, that's a glorious thing. Why? Because, look, you get to know him, and, and that's what God stirs up. Yeah, I, want, I want to be like this Jesus. I want to rest in his love more. Because look how good he is. Look how glorious he is. Well, let's pray. Lord, we do pray that we would, we would know you better as we take in your word, as we take in the glories of your son. And we pray, Lord, that we would rest more in who he is and what he's done for us. Uh, we pray that we would find our peace in him and not in the, not in the false peace of this world, we pray that we would be uh, we would be resting, even rejoicing uh, in in His love and protection. Lord, do that for each of us, even as we uh, our faith grows and our and our love grows for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.